0: You're listening to a podcast from gravitychurch.com, Lodi, California. What it means for you and I to grow up. Now, some of you may say, well, I am 50 years old and I don't want to grow up. And that is fine, Al Ramirez, wherever you're sitting. That is totally fine. You don't have to grow up in the natural, in all aspects, but... You and I will agree that regardless of your emotional temperament, your physical body is gonna grow up no matter what, right? No matter what, you try to stop feeding your children, they will keep growing. It's just the way that it goes. There's actually a lot of stages in the development of a relationship that you and I go through. There's been tons and tons of scientific, psychological research done on you and I as human beings and the the way that we relate to one another and the relationships that we have. And this is just my really simple version to explain to you what I have observed in my life to be the four stages of a relationship. The first stage that you and I go through when we meet somebody is the introduction. It's where we basically come to a place to where we shake hands, we know of each other, but it's very distant. It's not inside of us, it's very outside, it's just, It's just a very, very light connection that you and I have when we're introduced to somebody new. The second stage of relationships is what I call acquaintance. This is when you and I begin to take it just a little step further. We've shaken hands, we know who each other are, but now we're actually beginning to talk. We're beginning to go a little bit dif- deeper in our relationship. I'm starting to hear a little bit about your family, I'm starting to hear where you're from. We're going just a little bit deeper and this is just kind of a surface relationship. It still isn't very deep, but it's still right there kind of on the surface. The third kind of a stage of relationship development is when we actually start to go a little deeper and we actually become friends. This is where you and I actually start to spend time together. We begin to interact in a social setting. We begin to actually get to know each other on a deeper level. And this is really personal. This is when you and I really start to connect in a way that impacts our life. We actually begin to experience emotions based on this relationship that we wouldn't have experienced when it was really surface. You make me feel things because I know you. You have now the ability to hurt me. You also have the ability to make me smile and make me joyful. You have power in this relationship because we're, we're connected on more of a personal level. And the fourth stage of these relationships is when we actually become companions, where we actually get to an intimate place in our life to where we, we know each other deeply. It's intimate. In a, in a romantic relationship... Marriage is very intimate. You get to know somebody in a very intimate way. But just in any relationship that is growing, that is developing, this is kind of the simplified version of how the steps of this relationship would develop. Would you agree with this? Is everybody kind of on the same page? They kind of all know that this is probably true. Okay. Then if you have any kind of a relationship ongoing in your life, I don't care who it's with, if it's a coworker, if it's a family member, if it's a spouse, if it's a child, any relationship that you have, you will know that at the very foundation of a relationship is good communication, right? You have to be able to talk, you have to be able to communicate, you have to be able to understand each other because if there's no communication, the relationship cannot grow. Would we all agree that that is true, that you gotta be able to communicate? This can be really challenging for many of us on lots of different levels. Some of us have a hard time expressing ourselves to people. We have a hard time letting people know who we really are. Maybe we've been hurt. Maybe we've gone through trauma in life that has caused us to not want to communicate. And it can be almost like learning a new language, learning new skills. It can be very challenging. It can be very frustrating. Trent, do you have that DVD ready? On the On the surface, when you and I go through the effects of trying to learn a new language, my oldest son is in high school, and he's in Spanish class, and it's uh, apparently not going well because we just got his progress report. But he is having a hard time learning Espanol, learning how to communicate in a different language. Now, it doesn't help that his teacher talks to him in Spanish, and he doesn't understand. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 tells us, something about relationships in relation to you and I when it comes to our relationship with God. And we're going to look at a couple of scriptures this morning that talk about the development of our relationship with God and the stages that it takes. And you and I are going to find that it's very similar to the relationship interaction that we have with each other. And as we approach God, as we begin to journey on this relationship with God, we're going to find that you and I actually are at one of several of these stages in our development with God, and the communication that we lack or have really does dictate how well or how much we get to progress in this relationship. In First Corinthians chapter 3, Paul's talking here, and he says in verse 1, Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to mature Christians. I had to talk as though you belonged to this world or or as though you were infants in the Christian life. I had to feed you with milk and not with solid food because you couldn't handle anything stronger. And you still aren't ready for you're still controlled by your own sinful desires. You're jealous of one another. You quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove that you're controlled by your own desires? You're acting like people who don't even belong to the Lord. One of the things about this that's really interesting is that when you read this entire letter that Paul wrote to this church, you begin to realize that these people thought they were so mature. They thought that they knew God so well. They thought that they were so advanced in their Christian climb, so to speak, if it's such a thing. They thought that they had been with it for long enough that they had got it dialed in and that they knew exactly what was going on. And if you were to have a debate with this church, the Corinth, the church of Corinth, they probably would debate with you about Scripture. They probably would debate with you about the law and debate with you about all things spiritual. And yet he says really clearly, I couldn't even talk to you guys like mature Christians because you guys can't handle anything stronger than milk. You guys fight with each other. You guys are jealous of one another. You guys just don't get it. In other words, you're not as mature as you think you are. Now those of you that, par- that are parents know that what I'm about to say is explicitly true. There comes a point in your child's life where they do believe that they are mature and yet they still can't seem to pick up their dirty laundry, their dirty underwear and put it in the clothes basket. Is that right? for some reason that when they make a bowl of cereal and they pour the milk in it and they leave it right in the middle of everything and everybody, that's acceptable to them because they're so mature. They think that they have arrived and they know exactly what is best and they don't have a clue. And so we as parents look at them and though they may think that they have arrived at this state of maturity, they really haven't. That's exactly what's going on in this church. They think they've gotten there, but they really haven't. And I wanna drop a thought in your mind today that may help you a little bit diagnose or analyze where you are in your personal journey with Jesus and your personal relationship. What I want to say is that maturity is measured by what you can do for yourself not by what others have to do for you. I'm going to say it one more time and let it sink in. Maturity is measured by what you can do for yourself and not by what others have to do for you. In other words, if you're a parent of a child and your child says, I am so mature, and yet they cannot turn on the stove or cook a meal, there's a very good possibility that they're not as mature as they think they are. They still need your assistance in their life to help them with the stove. The same thing goes with laundry and doing homework and making basic decisions. And what I would like to say to you today as we look at this stages of a relationship with God is when we talk about communication with God, when we talk about what it is to be able to listen and hear God's voice and to be able to talk to God, knowing that he hears us. Many of us in this room are not comfortable with what I call direct communication, meaning that we only want to hear God through somebody else. We only want to listen to what God has to say through a pastor or somebody that's in a position of leadership or through a trusted friend who we know has been a Christian for a long time. In other words, we want the communication to be a three-way communication, us and then God. We don't want it to be direct, us and God. Now, some of us here today go, no, that's, that's not where I'm at. I want to be able to communicate directly with God, and I know He hears me, and I, and I know that when I hear His voice, it resonates inside of me. He leads me. He speaks to me. When I read Scripture, I hear God talking to me. I know that the words on the page sometimes don't match what He's saying, but He communicates through this to me, and I get it. I understand what He's saying to me right where I'm at in my life. That's direct communication with God. You're getting the third wheel out of it. You're getting that indirect communication out of it. There is so much that God has for you and I. There's so much that that God needs for you and I to experience in this relationship because of the magnitude of the plan that he has, because of the specific thing that he has for each one of us to do. If you look in Ephesians chapter 4 with me, I want to read you starting in verse 11. It's talking about Jesus. He says, he is the one who gave these gifts to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ, until the day we come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature and full-grown in the Lord. Measuring up to the full stature of Christ. Listen to this. Then we will no longer be like children, forever changing our minds about what we believe because someone has told us something different or because someone has cleverly lied to us and made the lie sound like the truth. Instead, we will hold to the truth in love, becoming more and more in every way like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Listen to this. This is where you and I come into it. Under his direction, the whole body is fitted together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Full of love, healthy and growing. When I read this passage of Scripture, I see myself in it because I realize is that if I am not personally developing in my relationship with Christ, if I am not personally learning how to have that direct communication with Him, that I am not participating in the dynamic that He has created, which is as I mature, I reach out and help other people to mature. That's the dynamic that he has put in play in all of our lives. Do you realize that some of you in this room have such a compelling story that you will not tell, that you will not talk about, that you will not share for fear of judged, being judged, for fear of what will people think of me, for fear that if I really expose the life that I've lived, people will not accept me for who I am. And because you're holding back that, because you're afraid to let it out and to let that freedom come with telling your story— There are people that come through the doors. There's people that you work with. There's people in your neighborhood that will never experience freedom in their life because they're waiting for your story to be told. Now, God has a big plan, and I don't mean to put that on you like a heavy guilt trip or anything because God's big. Thank God if I fall down, he's got somebody else to get the job done, but the job really is mine. I play a part as being a part of the body of Christ, and as I grow... Everybody else benefits from it. We're all interconnected. There is no us against them in the kingdom of God. When we come to Christ, we all come through the same narrow door. We all come on our hands and knees crawling like beggars because we've realized is that we can't do it on our own, that we're a mess, that our life stinks, and that the things that we've done with it have gotten us nowhere. We all go through that small, narrow humbling door that we have to crawl through. Nobody gets through with any other way. That's the only way to get through. But it seems that once we cross through that door on the other side, that's when all the division comes. That's when all the arrogance comes. That's when we take it all and say, God, now I got it. I can take care of myself. I know how this whole religious thing works. I know how the church thing works. I know how this all plays out. And God's saying no. So if I were to ask you today, what stage are you at in your development with God? Are you just an acquaintance? You've been introduced to him. You know who he is. But are you still just an acquaintance, just somebody that's just surface? I would relate that in the natural terms to being an infant or a toddler, somebody who is barely learning how to crawl, barely learning how to walk, can't take care of yourself. You need somebody else to change your diapers and feed you. Maybe that's where you're at. Would you be somebody that maybe has taken it a little bit deeper and you've actually begun to develop a relationship with God that's on a deeper place and you're actually friends with God. You know that when you talk to him, he hears you. You know that when he speaks, you respond. Sometimes you don't listen, but you know he's there and you know he's talking. Are you somebody that's a companion of God? Are you somebody that's gone to that deep place to where when you wake up in the morning, he's the first thought on your mind and there's nowhere that you can go that you stop thinking about how does he feel about this? And what is he trying to speak to me? Where are you at in your relationship development? This isn't a good or bad or right or wrong. All of us go through the same stages in developing relationships. It's a matter for you to look at where you're at today. I, it's not my business, but it is your business. Because if you think that you're going to have a deep relationship with God, and you're still waiting for a preacher to tell you what God has to say every week, then there's some indirect communication going on in your life, and you're not going to grow. I don't know how to say it any more blunt than if you do not pick up the Bible and begin to read it for yourself and allow God to speak to you. If you aren't entering into a relationship that puts yourself in God's way and begins to say, God, what do you want to do with my life? If you're not putting yourself in a situation to where you're allowing God to speak to you and listen when he talks to you and be obedient or be disobedient, that's part of the journey too. When God speaks to you, say, God, I don't want to do that. Great. You're talking. That's all that's mad important here. He'll deal with you on the whole, I don't want to do it thing. Trust me, been there, done that. But you have to have communication. You've got to open up the door. You've got to begin to talk. Some of you say, well, I don't know how to hear God's voice. I wish I could give you the how-to manual. I wish Christianity was as easy as follow the formula. I'd put it up there for you to see, just like that. I'd say, step number one, do this, step number, but that's not the God that we serve He's created each one of us so special and so unique and so different. God would never lower himself to say, okay, guys, here's the manual. If you've got any questions, just give me a call. No. He wants to have that unique, personal, intimate relationship with each one of us that is ongoing, that takes us from the day that whew, he breathes breath into our lungs to the day that he takes it back and we go to be with him. He wants that, that intimate day-by-day dynamic that only happens when we begin to learn how to talk to him and listen when he speaks to us. In just a minute, I'm going to have somebody come up that most of you know, Sherry Sumstein. And Sherry is somebody that I truly admire when it comes to hearing the voice of God. Those of you that know her story know that she's been through hell and back over the course of the last couple of years, and they're losing... the the death of her husband, Mike, which we all loved so much and who had such a deep heart for God and a vision for his place ministry. But everything that's come out of that journey that she's been through has given her the ability to hear God's voice in a really, really cool way. And she is going to begin a new chapter in her life. She's actually going to become a missionary. Sherry, come on up here. Would you guys just give her some love this morning as she comes up? She asked me this morning if uh, come on right on up. You want to come up here? She asked me this morning if we would pray for her because she's getting ready to leave actually this Friday to go to Nicaragua, and we're going to pray for her this morning as a church. But I asked her. I said, "Okay, we'll pray for you. That's the easy part. But the hard part is I want you to tell everybody what you're going to do. So when we pray for you, we know what's happening. So I'm putting her on the spot just a little bit, but I'm really excited to hear what she has to
1: say. Thank you, Pastor Jason. I, I'm, this really is um, an exciting time in my own personal life. Um, oh, gracious. When I was a young girl, I felt called to the Bible College, which I did. And I met a young man up there his name was Mike, also, but it wasn 't my Mike. it was another Mike, and um, I felt like I was going to be a missionary. I felt in my heart that was the call. I felt that was where God was leading me. I thought it would probably be to Africa, but um, at the end of my time there, I was there two years, this relationship, and this young man was all soul-filling, called a mission field. The relationship all fell apart at the end. And I found myself back home, a young woman, just very, what was that all about? And it was just a really hard, difficult, confusing time in my life. And it was at that time that I met my precious Mike, who we were married for almost 30 year, uh, 33 years. But over a course of time, God redeemed that call in me as he led my husband into motorcycle missions, and I began to be a missionary to a different culture of people. (laughs) Um, They didn't have the tents in the huts, but they had, you know, the tents, and they had not the snakes in the ground, but they had the snakes tattooed and that kind of thing. So it really was a foreign land to me because I never rode bikes and I wasn't a part of that group. But I knew God was calling my husband there and not a doubt in my heart. And then I knew that he was asking me to join him. And so I knew that those people, I mean, I cared about them, but I didn't love them. I wasn't willing to lay down my life of what I wanted to do. I wanted to be an interpreter for the hearing impaired, and I was pursuing that with what I really know wasn't okay from God. But sometimes God takes you so far, and then he says, lay that down for a while. But I had to ask God to put the bikers in my heart because they weren't there the way that they would have to be, the way that I knew God wanted them to be. So I asked God to put the bikers in my heart and what he did was send me with my husband on our first trip to Sturgis, South Dakota for the big national rally. And that was the beginning of my missionary journey with Mike. Um, I saw God do incredible, wonderful things, especially that first trip. As we were about to leave that last day, I asked Mike to please let's ride down Main Street one more time, and I'm talking like six, eight blocks straight of bikes parked to each other all the way down as far as you can see, and the bikes would like, it's kind of like the old Pacific Avenue when you would, you know, and they would just write about everybody showing off their bikes and, you know, that kind of stuff. But I just wept as I rode down that last day of our first trip there because somehow God fit all of those long-haired, bearded, and the women who were not the same as me. Somehow, he fit the ball in my heart. And they're still there. But as God took Mike home, um, God gave me a promise and it was symbolized through a butterfly pin that I received at our retreat just shortly after he died. And that butterfly pin became the promise that God was going to give me a new place, a new hope, a new day and that butterfly pin is set on my bathroom counter for the last two years, waiting for wings. <laughs> you know, when you go through a transition in your life, such as I have, in walking with, you know, through a journey of grief, uh, you really do, you really do not know how there can be another new day. It just doesn't seem like it's possible. But when you have a promise... You see, Mike had a promise, too. When we were young, I'm talking too long, huh? <laughs> when he was a really young man and we were first married, I love this little fast story I'll share with you really quick, I promise. He would sing. He would begin ready to do a project. He was a builder, construction. And he thought big. He was a dreamer. And he he would start singing spontaneously. We'd be walking in the parking lot. We didn't have Walmart back then, but Jimco and some of those old stores back then. And he would just start singing, what a day for a daydream. What a day for a daydreaming boy. Now, some of you younger ones might not know that song, but I knew that meant, oh, my mercy. (laughs) (laughs) He's cooking up something in his he, we're, on, we're, we're heading toward this new whatever's going to provide for his family and just get us enough to be, you know, comfortable. And We were going to make it good. Well, he had several of those daydreams. But God had a call on his life. And there was a process of things that happened that one day... A few years later, a few experiences later, during one of our hardest, darkest times financially and in many ways, Mike was sick, he had a really bad cough, cold, probably bronchitis. We didn't have the money to even go buy the cough syrup and we were laying in bed and it was late at night and I know he thought I was asleep. But very softly, I heard him begin to sing, what, a day for a daydream? No. He began to sing, oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because he first loved me. And that became his new song. Honest, I mean, he'd joke once in a while, but I never heard him spontaneously sing that. But I heard him walking in the, you know, going up to shop at Walmart. He would just blurt it out. Oh, how I love Jesus. And you just kind of look at him and think, okay. (laughs) Because he loved Jesus and he was unique and real. And that place in him... You see, what Pastor Jason was talking about today, that relationship, that intimacy, that place of calling was born in him and, and grown in him to where he was willing to say whatever it takes. And for my life right now, my prayer has been, from the time I knew Mike was, was very, very ill, was, God, I choose your first and best plan." And so in my heart all of these years I've been a missionary. And when I was asked to go to Nicaragua a few months ago, I was feeling I was in my new day, but you know, daytime comes at 12.01 a.m., and it's still really dark out there. And I looked ahead and I thought, God, am I ready to do this? I I want to, but am I ready? And I heard God say, yes, you're ready. So I made the commitment and God provided above and beyond. I not only had my way paid to Nicaragua, but I have half my way paid to go to Africa. And I've been asked to go to Africa, which is my dream come true, (laughs) the end of next year. If you're willing to make your dream his dream, if you're willing to say, God, I don't love those people the way that I should, but will you put them in my heart? I mean, I know that I could go to the park on Tuesdays. What's the difference in going there and going to Nicaragua? It's where God calls you and where your heart is willing to go. And I know he's given me a specific word for the women there. We're going to be doing a conference. We're going to be feeding a women's conference, a two-day conference. I'm privileged and honored to be able to be one of the speakers at the conference. We're going to be feeding severely malnutritioned children. Nicaragua is a country that has been... um, Uh, Ravished by a hurricane probably 10 years ago that they're still feeling the effects of. They had like a five-category hurricane. And you know what, you guys? It's hurricane season again. (laughs) So pray for me when I'm over there. (laughs) But um, political, upheaval, there's all kinds of stuff that's going on there. But God is sending me with a word that he sees them, he will protect them, And he will provide for them. And so I'm excited. I know that God is, this is the beginning of my new day. Because as I was praying, and I was actually kind of praying past this event into another event I'll be speaking at uh, next month. And I was thinking, maybe I get to wear my butterfly pin when I speak to the ladies in Utah. And the Lord said to me, directly, by the way... (laughs) He said, no, you will wear your pin to Nicaragua. And I just said, yes. I have waited. I've been in the cocoon of transformation from becoming that... um, I felt my life disintegrated. I felt my life melted. (laughs) But all the while, one day, by one day, by one day, in some of the most remarkable experiences with God that I have truly had in my entire life in these last two years, somehow God made a butterfly. And I'm not putting any, you know, it's not about me, it's all about what God is going to do. And I'm sorry I've taken so much time. but. I am so happy in my heart. I am so excited, I can hardly stand it. I am going to Nicaragua and I am going with the love of God in my heart because He's called me to go and He's going to let me go do something that has been my heart desire since I was a young girl and I'm not that young anymore. So thank you Jason for I just, I just feel the church body is so important. You are, you are also important in this. And I just want your prayer. I want your covering. I want you to um, feel a part of it as you pray. I do have with me my uh, travel log newsletter. It has my agenda on it, if anybody would like it, so you can kind of follow the days that I'll be there. I'm just there. for. I'll be leaving Friday, flying into Atlanta, meeting the team. There's seven of us. We'll be flying into Nicaragua on Saturday. And then we'll be there for that week and fly back the following Friday late. I'll be back late Friday evening. So thank you for your love and your prayers. Thank you for um, for being there for me, for all of your love and your encouragement and and being a part of my new day.
0: Do you guys stand up? We're going to pray for Sherry right now. Let's pray. Jesus, right now, we thank you, God, that... As we hear this powerful story, God, we know that you have been planning for this moment for a long, long time. And God, I thank you that you have not just planned for it, but you've provided for it. God, you brought together everything that it would take. For her to be able to go and to be able to experience this new page in her story. And so, Lord, I pray right now, God, and we all join together our faith, God, that we would just send her on her way, God, with courage, with confidence, knowing that everywhere she steps her foot, God, you've prepared it for her to be able to go, that she would have the words to say at just the right time when she speaks, God, I just pray that your, your power, I pray that your anointing, I pray that your personal love would just be with her everywhere that she goes. Lord, I just thank you for the provision that you miraculously have brought in to to help finance this thing, God. And I just pray that, God, the, the miracles would not stop, but that she just continues to walk with you. She would see the newness of her God every single day and how you provide in every single way. So, Lord, we as a church just want to bless her. We want to just pray for her and cover her in prayer and just let her know that she's loved. And, Father, we just thank you for what you've done. It's because of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Sherry, for sharing. You guys don't sit down. Right now, we're going to take communion this morning as a church. We're going to come together and just begin to open up our hearts to God, as we always do every single Sunday morning. So as I just begin just to sing out some worship songs, I just invite you just to come. There's three different stations that you can find yourself at. Take that bread, dip it in the cup. Just begin to have this time with God and just begin to let him know that you experience his newness every single day and that you come to say thank you
1: Thank you. com.